Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by InsideTexas.com publisher, Eric Nalin. It's our weekly episode of State of the Program, where we go over and look at the program from kind of a 30,000-foot view. Uh, but today we got a little something special. Eric uh, wrote an article for InsideTexas.com today that I thought was particularly revealing. He ranked the positions on the Texas roster from a uh, value of strength, depth, uh, star power, those sorts of things. And I thought it was really, really interesting, and I wanted to go over it with him here uh, and also get his, uh, you know, 30,000-foot level takes on the spring game. Before we get into the position by position, Eric, give me your your one or two lines, paragraph or so, on what you thought of the spring game as a whole. You know, I thought it was less disjointed than the the affairs we've seen in the past. You know, there's a lot more depth, a lot more playmaking. Uh, you know, there's still plenty of work to do. But, you know, to me, they're well ahead of, of any point in the last few years. So do you feel that you feel this is a better team, essentially? Uh, maybe not a better team, but a better collection of talent, at least at this point. How, how well they play together only happens whenever they go on the road to Tuscaloosa or, or – uh, you know, in the Cotton Bowl against OU. So what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see them tested. But I, I do think they're going to be a better team. I, you know, I have a lot of faith in the coaches from last year. And, I, you know, the metrics came out yesterday really in favorable. Uh, ESPN's FPI came out favorable in Texas again. And, you know, fans are wondering why, you know, the, the win-loss record wasn't able to mat, match where Texas ended up uh, statistically last year. Um, and, you know, to me, that was the outlier was the quarterback play. And, you know, I think Quinn is a better quarterback. Uh, I know that you had uh, some questions about his play, and, and I do agree w- with you. You know, that wasn't full speed. It wasn't live bullets. Uh, but I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle ground from where you were and where people were truly excited about him. Uh, I thought he played, you know, decently well. I think he's improved from last year. And I think uh, just, uh, you know, minimal improvement or modest improvement is going to lift the overall team. Yeah, I think my critique is, is uh, I can be, I can grade hard at times. And a lot of that, it was me hoping to see the, the five-star Quinn Ewers stepping into the pocket and stepping up, not necessarily an improvement per se over last year. That wasn't all I was looking for. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you do grade based on talent level. You know, if you've got a kid, you've got a kid at a very good college, you're going to be harsher on them for failing the calculus than uh, if I was your kid. You know, you'll be a, you'll give me a little bit more uh, <laughs> leeway there. So, you know, you've got, you've got a grade based on ability. I, I agree with that. Okay. All right. Uh, before we get into the grading of the positions, and I, I do think this is really, really interesting what, what uh, Eric did. I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Adam Lowy. If you've been in a wreck uh, or a uh, car accident, anything of the sort, uh, I'd say what Adam Lowy is your guy to call. He's been helping injured Texans for a decade. Uh, 512-280-0800. That's LowyLawFirm.com. Uh, if you've had an injury or accident in the workplace, a uh, car wreck, uh, et cetera, uh, contact Adam Lowy, Lowy Law Firm. Thank you, uh, Adam, for your support of the state of the program. All right, Eric, let's go down the list here. And I want to do, there's 10 different positions on the football field that you ranked. You, you did not rank kicker and punter. So let's just keep that one out of it, right? Mm-hmm. But you started with, uh, with the best to the worst. But I want to do what you ranked from 10 to one so that we kind of have a little bit of a reveal here uh, in the thing. And you think that the weakest by ranking, you think the weakest position on the field at this time is edge uh, at number 10. Why is that? Well, I mean, they've only got one guy that's really suited for playing three downs, all three downs, and that's Baron Sorrell. And so, you know, there's depth issues, there's starter issues. 
Uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't think there's talent issues necessarily. I think there's a number of guys that are going to be very good players. Um, you know, when Ethan Burke came out of high school, I had him, I think, is my third highest ceiling player in the entire class. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, people reach their ceilings at, at different rates. And so he still has a ways to go. To, he's got to get stronger. You know, what I wrote recently is he's 6'6", 250, but that's like being 6'3", 230. And that's undersized from a strength strength perspective out there dealing with a full-grown man, 60-year senior like Christian Jones. So he won't always have that tough sledding week in and week out, uh, but he is going to be behind the curve still from a physical standpoint more often than not. You think they need to go to the portal like, like we've been talking about this. It's almost like a running joke. We've been talking about it since O'Shawn Mathis a year ago. Um, you know, it, it's, oh, it's truly right. I mean, but it, I think it goes to show that those guys don't transfer very often is what the reality right. is. Right. Yeah. You know, I would um, I would be happy. Previously, you know, the talk was about getting a pass rusher. I would be perfectly fine if they just got a guy that was good against the run and, and uh, used Ethan Burke as your pass rusher. I, I have a lot, a lot of confidence in him being able to do that. You can He's got the traits to be a pass rusher much more than he does to be a run stopper at this point. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's uh, you're, you're beholden to what what options you have. And right now there aren't a lot of options. But, you know, I, I one reason I don't like ranking these guys is because it, these things are very they, they fluctuate a lot. Um, a group that's 10 could be, you know, three by the end of the season or next season could be much higher. So uh, this is just where this is a snapshot of where they are right now, not where they're going to be forever. Oh, all right. That's number 10. Number nine. Let's go to that because this was a somewhat of a surprise to me that you ranked him this low. But when I look at it, I'm not necessarily sure I disagree. And that's the safety group. Uh, on Saturday, of course, Jaron Thompson was out there with Keaton Crawford. Jalen Catalan was sidelined with injury and we don't know when he's going to be able to come back. But we do believe it's in time for for uh, uh, the game. B.J. Allen had a nice spring, I believe. Michael Taft was out there as well. There's some depth, but. I wonder if there's that top end guy without a guy like Jalen Catalan in the mix. Why did you rank them nine, Eric? Well, you know, I, you know, Jaron had a pretty quiet uh, spring, and uh, then you know he, he kind of looked like a 2021 version. Of, you know, some missed tackles, ducking his head, and, and just you know, I think some of that's probably due to just being discombobulated with uh, other defensive players out there that he hadn't always been out out there with at times, but. Uh, I'm not really worried about him, but you know, I was what I was anticipating uh, before the spring. We were, and when I initially wrote this in February that we would see Jalen Catalan practice at least some, and you know, we didn't see that. Keaton Crawford did, did get valuable reps. I think that's probably going to help them long term because you know they they do like to rotate their safeties. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't. There's not that top line starter, but this has more to do. with – I still feel good about the possession group. Uh, it just has more to do with I think the rest of the roster is is that much stronger than than more than where I have to see them as being a, a negative. Yeah, and and I mentioned B.J. Allen, Larry Turner Gooden coming on a little bit as well. But I thought B.J. Allen had a nice spring game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly how he fits uh, long term. Derek Williams still on the way as well. Uh, the big safety out of uh, Louisiana. Yeah, I, and B.J. BJ really came on late in spring, and then he had a real confident spring game. So that was very good to see. You know, maybe if he picks up where he left, leaves off in August, you know, maybe we see him on the field a lot more than we currently think. Yeah, I, I would agree. I. I, I think that that's uh, that's going to be a good question. All right, uh, number eight. Uh, I agree with this. I, I think it may be it may have the least depth on the team outside of only the edge position or experience depth, and that is tight end. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a star player potentially in a guy like Jatavian Sanders, but behind him, Gunnar Helm has experience. But other than that, it's a walk on and two young guys. I, I completely understand why you have him at eight, despite the um, presence of Sanders. 
Yeah, I mean, luckily there's, it's going to be mitigated because of Sanders and running more 11 personnel. You know, we saw Gunnar Helm make a catch or two the other day, and I think he can be a serviceable receiver. So I'm not, again, it's not, I'm not super worried about it. Um, you know, there's point, there's been points in the past where the number eight, nine, and 10 position group would be the death knell for the program. Uh, that's not the case. They're, they're here because the other pro, uh, positions are just uh, in better shape at this point. Uh, it, it's interesting to me. Uh, we, we see what Sark has done with the tight end before, um, but is he going to be limited if he doesn't find another big blocking guy in the portal or something? Yeah, you know, because right. they are going to run 12 personnel, even though Sark's going to, you know, obviously we, we saw a lot more three wide receivers out there. There's going to they're still going to be short yardage. There's going to be goal line. Uh, and you want to have that ability to go big at times against a smaller defense too. So uh, yeah. you know, they do need another blocker. Here's my point too, though. Jatavian Sanders is has improved his blocking, mm -hmm. but he's still not a block first guy. Right. So when you go to 12 personnel, you really want somebody that's a block first guy in there as well. And, and I'm not sure that that he's that answer. All right. Uh, but and, and I think that gives good credence to why you ranked them the way you did. I might even have put tight end at nine uh, because of, of that. Uh, all right. Number seven. Uh, this one surprised me as well. I, I would have in retrospect or in um, going into this, I thought they would have been higher. But I, I kind of agree with you overall. And that's the offensive line. They return all five starters. They didn't – all five of them didn't play. Only actually two of them uh, – or three of them started on um, uh, Saturday in the same position that they played a year ago. A couple of, uh, couple of them down – or one of them down with injury, another one playing center as a backup. Uh, your thoughts on the offensive line? Is it is the reason they're ranked seven just because they're young, you think? by uh, The majority of them are young? Well, yeah. I mean, if I was going to rank uh, these position groups for 2024, I would probably have them up around three or so. Um, but that's, you know, we're, we're trying to play 2023 first. Uh, you know, I, I think they um, they got the benefit of the doubt some last year because the running backs are really good. And I think that the offensive tackles were good for the most part. But the interior line is still the, uh, a big question to me. Now, I, I think they can be good next year. I don't think they're going to be great. Uh, but I think they're going to need the season to truly round into form. You know, part of this is a function of Cole Hudson being out. You know, we don't have any recent data on him. He's he's back to working out. We know he's going to be a quality player. He's smart. He's got size. He can move his feet. Um, but, you know, Hayden or DJ Campbell didn't really uh, make the next step. Uh, I don't think Cameron Williams is ideally suited for guard. Um, Neto Umiozulu, I think, you know, we heard good things about him. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's still – is he is he going to overtake Cole Hudson at guard? I'm, I'm not sure about that. So, uh, I'm more. In, I'm very interested to see how that goes in uh, August, but also this could be part of my bias that I've I've had questions about the interior line uh, for a while now. You know, they like I said, they didn't finish the season all that strong, uh, and and our most recent data is uh, new guys that haven't played a lot, uh, or Hayden Connor, who you know Connor, we did hear have had a pretty strong spring, uh, but I'm still in believe it. I'll believe it when I see it with this group. I think they're a year away from truly being good. What's interesting <clears> to <throat> me is the zero sum game of the spring game. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned the interior def uh, interior offensive line. Well, that, you know, they're going against one of the strengths of the team in the interior. Yep, that's part of it, too. Yeah. And so you you it, I think it the question but for me becomes, you know, which is which is which. Right. I mean, is right. the interior defensive line really going to be pretty dominant, uh, which I think is a, a, a good potential. I think it's the best interior defensive line in the conference uh, or is the offensive line interior offensive line going to be a weak point for the offensive team. I know this, Texas did not run the ball very well on Saturday overall, uh, or effectively, in my opinion. And uh, that, that I think, 
came mostly because of the interior offensive line going up against that defensive front. All right, uh, let's go on to number six. A little bit of a surprise here because much like tight end, they have one star returning, uh, and that is the linebacker position. Uh, they have Jalen Ford uh, coming back, star player, not unlike in many ways JT Sanders at tight end. The difference is they have more guys nipping at the heels of a starting position, perhaps, than what they do, uh, than what uh, the tight end position does. You put linebacker six. Uh, give us some uh, idea of why you think they rank there within this Texas roster. Well, you know, I, th I think they're absent a, a true starter at will yet. We don't know how that's going to go, but we know they have plenty of depth at, at linebacker. Jet Bush can play. Uh, Mike Capably, I believe. Uh, Leona LaFowle played good snaps. I think there's, you know, he's going to see the field next season. And, then, of course, Jalen Ford is a three-down player. You only pull him off if you need to give him a rest. Um, you know, at will, I, I you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, – I'm always going to be biased to my sources, especially when they've been right more often than not. And when, when the same person told me that Jalen Ford is going to be a first or second round draft pick, you know, last spring uh, tells me that um, David Bender can at least be league average this year. And I'm, I'm going to ride with that guy until he's wrong. I know Bender didn't expect uh, – didn't exactly explode off the spring uh, – off the screen on, on uh, Saturday. But um, overall, he had a good spring. You know, Sark mentioned him quite a bit. Uh, but if, if he's just steady, I think that they can create playmaking from Maurice Blackwell uh, and, of course, Anthony Hill. And, you know, there's there's times that Sam's going to be out there, and I think Sam is going to be a disruptive player when they're in base, base defense. So, uh, you know, part of that is them being able to scheme and mix and match the guys to their strengths, you know, bend on standard downs, and then Blackwell and Hill when they want to want to get more of a playmaker out there a third and long. Got it. I, I feel like another guy that needs to be mentioned uh, because this is – really important. I think Jet Bush is a good backup for um, yeah. uh, Jalen Ford. I mean, you know, linebackers are a tough position. They're going to suffer injuries during the year. I mean, it may be a nick that they're only out for a half or a quarter or whatever, but it's going to happen. Uh, and you're going to want to get them some, some uh, time on the bench so they don't wilt in 100-degree heat, too. And I thought Jet Bush played solid again. I mean, think, I think he's at his right position. Yeah, you know, he's got his second offseason back at his right position. I don't think fans understand how far out of position he was when he played Jack. That wasn't once removed. That was twice removed from the wrong position. You know, imagine moving Byron Murphy to, uh, to, to edge or to, uh, to buck or something. It doesn't make any sense. These guys can't do it. He didn't have enough weight to hold up. Um, now he might be carrying a little bit too much for the position because, you know, that position does find itself in coverage quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's, he's more than a capable backup. Yeah, I, I was impressed by him as well. And I, I think that Jeff Choate has the linebacker crew moving in the right direction and very, very excited uh, about the potential of Anthony Hill, not only in the run game, but particularly as a pass rusher. I thought he, I thought he showed some really nice uh, explosiveness. All right, moving into the top five now. This one I would argue with you on. Uh, the running back group, you put it number five. I would, mm -hmm. I would probably put them at seven or eight at this point. Given yeah. that Jonathan Brooks did not play, and I didn't see, uh, I didn't see that future NFL running back out there uh, outside of potentially Brooks being one, being that guy uh, in, on Saturday. I think Baxter uh, on a couple of plays that didn't even maybe get all that much uh, yardage. Uh, you know, he that cut inside where he shook whoever that was. Um, that's you know that's a bigger running back doing that. I thought he looked really good to be honest. Um, and I think Jaden Blue, you know, that run that he had was was uh, was pretty good. The defense was was questionable, and it wouldn't have been a touchdown on a real game. Barron would have lit him up when he uh, when he turned back in. But uh, and then Saving Red, I think, is going to be quality. You know, he he did a little something to the outside as well. I 
I just think that they've got a lot of parts to work with. Uh, there's a lot of parity in the competition behind Jonathan Brooks. Um, and I think that that group has a lot of uh, varying skill sets and, and complementary parts. Uh, I think they are a little bit beholden to the offensive line to some degree, uh, and th at least on the interior. Uh, but a lot of those guys wanted to run outside. Is that necessarily a bad thing when you have Christian Jones and uh, Kelvin Banks out there? You know, I don't, I don't know. So I, I think that position has a pretty high floor, even if uh, some of them are unproven. The, you know, they had good springs. Pretty much heard good things about them uh, throughout. I, I misspoke. I said none of them. I, I obviously I think Cedric Baxter is long term going to be an NFL guy. I should have I should have said that. You question the other guys and where they're headed. Uh, I liked Savion Red. I like what uh, Jaden Blue did. I just wonder if it's a strength uh, this high up uh, without a Jonathan Brooks or with with a Jonathan Brooks. I, I can see it because uh, Steve Sarkeesian said this, and I agree with him. Every time we've put him on the field, he's performed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, he's yeah, done. should have put him on the field in the elbow bowl a little bit more. <laughs> he was injured. Injured, had a hernia. Yeah. That's, that's he what wasn't injured, he wasn't they, injured on that. Sark said that he, they kept him out because of that. Sark, yeah. Sark said yeah. they, they limited him because of that. And I... You, you know, in retrospect, you didn't know that at the time. We were all like, what in the heck is Keelan Robinson doing getting all these carries? But it makes sense. Yeah. In, in I don't know. I still don't know about that one, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Uh, number four, um, I tell you what, it's the best uh, quarterback room I've seen at Texas maybe ever uh, from top to bottom. I mean, uh, geez, I mean, if Arch Manning is number three, you're in pretty good shape right now. Uh, uh, Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy. Arch Manning, uh, those are three possible pro quarterbacks or likely pro quarterbacks, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, Malik, um, you know, Malik really started making some noise last year on scout team. Uh, and, and, you know, he got off his spring, got off to a, a very slow start with the injuries and missed the first three practices or so. Um, and, you know, I don't we didn't hear enough about him, to, to be honest, like that. That game uh, really caught me by surprise. And not, you know, obviously, we heard very good things about his mechanics rounding into form. Uh, quickening, quickening up his release. Never really heard issues about his accuracy, and we knew he had a strong arm. Uh, but I think his poise and his confidence and his comfort and uh, understanding where to go with the ball uh, was a little bit uh, uh, more uh, advanced than I thought. So that was exciting to see. And then, um, you know, if you can go on Twitter, if you want to find the world's dumbest people uh, complaining about Arch Manning's uh, game, with zero context at all. Uh, I thought he looked a lot better, even in real time. I don't think he was struggling. You know, he knew to get out of the pocket quite a bit because he didn't have any time. You know, uh, it, was, it was pretty funny seeing him doing his Randall Cunningham impression out there. But I thought at times he looked pretty good, made a few good throws. Maybe his accuracy was a little off on a couple of uh, on a couple of the, the rare occasion he did have time to throw it. But overall, I think he did well. But, you know, the story is going to be Quinn going into the year. Uh, I don't think Quinn needs to play to a five star level for Texas to win the Big 12 championship. I think just think he needs to play. Uh, confidently within himself, composed. And I think we're starting to see that uh, going. And that really goes back to the Baylor game and then more of it in the Alamo Bowl. And uh, to me, this is just a continuation. Yeah, I, I felt like you you mentioned Quinn, or you mentioned Malik Murphy knowing where to go with the ball. He was moving the team. Uh, yeah. And I think he has a little bit, and I call it gamesmanship, right? 
if I see a guy out there, if I see the the corner that is out there as a walk on, I'm going to go at the walk on. If yeah. I've got Jonte Cook or DeAndre Moore, right? And he did that multiple. He did it when he felt like he had an advantage against Michael Taff with uh, DeAndre Moore as well. Even though Taff is a, a higher up on the depth chart, supposedly, right? He still knew he had a quickness advantage, most likely with uh, with Moore, and he put the ball on the on the money. Uh, yeah. Yep. I thought I thought Murphy may have that little something that that you know it's like you're playing game with guy and some guy has is one step ahead a little bit because he's thinking through it i i was really impressed with that aspect i was impressed with quinn yours i still think he needs to learn to climb the pocket a, a little bit better and arch manning i think was running for his life from day one so uh, that, that's all you can say all right speaking with eric nalene publisher insidetexas.com uh eric we're down to our final three positions i told you going into this uh video that I thought you could basically shake the dice, roll them, and whichever one of these three came up, one could come up one. But number three, you went with the wide receiver group. Yeah, I went with wide receiver um, because I, I don't think um, I don't I don't think the floor is quite as high as you would like. You know, Murphy's had some, or not Murphy, uh, Worthy's had some drops. Uh, Whittington has, you know, been I thought he was underutilized by Sark last year some. Uh, and then he's got injury history prior to that. And Eddie Mitchell has injury history prior to that, too. He's never really put together a full season, even going back to high school. Uh, now, the ceiling there is, is probably higher, the higher, highest on, this, on the uh, team. Um, and so we, I think we started to see uh, where that ceiling could go. Maybe we need to raise it up a little bit higher than we uh, originally anticipated. You know, what I really like is all those guys are in their exact uh, perfect fit. You know, Eddie Mitchell is designed for the boundary. Uh, Jordan Whittington is, is made for the slot. And then Worthy, um, you know, he's, he's ideal for drawing safety attention way over to the field to open up things for everybody else. So if these guys just catch the ball and play, play up to their ability, then it's probably going to be the best uh, position group on the team, uh, even more so than the two I have ahead of them. Eric, you mentioned something. and Jerry, on the live stream last night, said something that I – and then you mentioned it again in your article. And I just – I don't think people can grasp it. Uh, A.D. Mitchell in the red zone – is a difference maker. Yeah. Um, and uh, I feel like he is your red zone opportunity guy because he's going to be the one that's opposite of everybody else and going to get more likely get man coverage. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like uh, people need to understand 10 TDs for him. If he's healthy, that's, that's a realistic situation for him next year. You agree with that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, his red zone opportunities will probably be enhanced by Jatavian Sanders' red zone opportunities as well. Uh, you know, you could line those guys up on the same side of the field if you want. Uh, there's a lot of different things they can do. But, yeah, it's uh, he's a quarterback's best friend. You know, you want these guys. You got, you know, Whittington could be quarterback's best friends on third and seven. Um, and I think AD has some of that ability as well. But, you know, obviously in the, in the red zone, you're going to look for the guy that, that gets it done in the playoffs, and he's got a proven track record doing it. All right. The number number two group um, you went with, and I I probably would have had them number one with the addition of Trill Carter, uh, is the defensive defensive tackle group. I think there's three pros sitting there uh, looking at it, in, and they're all upperclassmen. Uh, yeah. with, with the uh, emergence of Alfred Collins finally coming on a little bit this year, or coming on this year, you've got Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, uh, and Alfred Collins. Now you add Trill Carter. Sadir Mitchell had a really nice spring game. Maybe the light mm -hmm. bulb came on there a little bit, or maybe he's just a gamer. And then you add Aaron Bryant to the mix, who I also think uh, has some potential long-term. I just think the defensive tackle room 
not only has that depth, but it has the experience that makes it a difference maker. Yeah, you know, that might be some of the zero-sum bias you're using there, though, because uh, the cornerbacks are going up against the number three wide receiver group. The interior D-line is going up against the lower ranks that are rated for our purposes, interior O-line. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to uh, nitpick it too much. Um, yeah, I, I love that room. <laughs> I mean, I, you'd like to see more of the young depth that we see, like a Malik Muhammad there or a, a Anthony Hill. Maybe that's Sadir Mitchell. He did have a good – a good spring game. Hopefully that really uh, motivates them throughout this off season. Off season doesn't end because spring ball ends, you know, that's, they got to hit a whole nother gear. Uh, summer conditioning is very important, uh, particularly the bigger you are. Uh, and so I think that's, that's, you know, good motivating factor for him. Alfred Collins, if the light truly stays on, I'll never stake my career on that one. Uh, that's obviously going to be a good sign. And then Byron Murphy, you just know what you get there. Um, you know, consummate pro he came in with the right mentality and that, that always, you know, once you see the mentality, you start hearing about it, then you know that, um, you know, they're in control of their own destiny. You know, they're going to maximize. And those guys end up making us smart uh, just because we know how they're wired. You know, Baron Sorrell, we knew he was going to be good because the way he's wired. Byron Murphy's the same way. Um, so, guys, yeah, guys, guys like, hey, hey, this is a good, I, I don't want to take us off topic too much, but you're right. Kelvin Banks. Right. Same. When they come in with, in business like is not necessarily the right term. When they come in with, it's more like goal oriented right away because yeah. they came in with a goal in mind and set out to it. And they were at different stages of their ability. I mean, Baron Sorrell, for example, didn't, he had some ability. Don't get me wrong. Otherwise he wouldn't be playing, but he knew he had a couple of years to go before he right. was really going to. And he, you look at him now and you're like, okay, I get it. Right. Yeah. Um, Kelvin Banks, it was right away. Byron Murphy, you saw things early. I Malik think yeah, yeah, I think these are good things uh, that people need to to realize, and hopefully uh, the the light bulb does come on for guys like Sadir Mitchell in that way, so he can build on this over time. It's one of the good things about being an early enrollee to yeah, no get doubt. that taste early, and then you can uh, come back. All right, the best position on the team, in your opinion, uh, is the cornerback group. I have a hard time arguing with you. I probably would have went with uh, defensive tackle because, to your point in your article today, you said that. Trill Carter set the floor, right? Mm -hmm. Now they have four legitimate starters at defensive tackle. You think they have four legitimate starters at cornerback as well? Yeah, and, you know, I, I also gave uh, corner the nod because I, I've got star with them. Star is much more like corner than it is safety. And so Jade Barron, I think, might be the best player on the team. Uh, Jalen Gilbo will come back and be good, and Austin Jordan can play. So they're three deep there. Uh, they're really three deep at corner as far as guys that could play. You know, we've seen, you know, obviously it's not ideal to have your third string play, but uh, it wouldn't be the end of the world where, you know, a lot of teams, if they go to the second string, you're going to pick on that guy all day long. Um, look at, you know, hell, you were picking on OU starters all day long last year. Uh, so Texas has a bit of an embarrassment of riches there. And I do think uh, I do think they have some pros. You know, Ryan Watts, maybe he's a safety in the NFL. Terrence Brooks, I don't know, maybe he's a safety in the NFL too, but those guys, they're NFL players. Malik Muhammad's going to be a corner in the NFL. Uh, he's going to play early, uh, and Gavin Holmes will get a look at corner, uh, at least in the NFL, based on his coverage ability. So I think there's NFL upside at the position. Maybe it's not the star power we saw in the mid-2000s, uh, but as far as depth and being able to rotate, keep these guys fresh in a league where the receivers are running downfield nonstop, uh, I think Texas has a pretty good advantage. And we know they're battle-tested because they're going up against an extremely good wide receiver group. So, uh, yeah, that's why I have them there. I think they're well-coached as well. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a tough position to play, but Texas has a very good situation. And so, you know, Texas has the best corners in the league, the best defensive tackles in the league, 
the best linebacker in the league, not the best linebackers, but the best linebacker in the league. Uh, so they're in a pretty good, pretty good position on defense. That's what I was going to say. I, I, I noticed from looking at your list, I was thinking about that. The two top positions you have uh, ranked are the cornerbacks and the defensive line. That's a pretty, that's a pretty strong start because that means you're probably going to be able to stop the run and you're probably going to be able to limit some stuff in the passing game. Yeah, you're going to buy your, you're going to buy if the edges are weakness, you need a good corners to at least buy them time, get them another split second to get home. You know, Byron Murphy's not going to get there with speed, so a little bit extra time is going to help him out. Yeah, that's that's very impressive. All right, I want to say thanks one last time uh, to our sponsor Adam Lowy, but bef- uh, and then uh, get to a closing comment or two uh, from us. Adam Lowy has been helping injured Texans for a decade now. Uh, give him a call at 512-280-0800 if you've been involved in a catastrophic accident or a work accident as well. Uh, that's LoweyLawFirm.com. Adam focuses on results, uh, does a really good job in that regard, uh, and has helped a lot of people uh, along the way who have suffered uh, bad accidents and injuries, uh, and whether it be a car accident or in the workplace as well. Thank you to Adam for his sponsorship of On Texas Football in the state of the program with Eric Nalene. Uh, Eric, you know, taking back, drawing us back to the 30,000-foot view, we mentioned – uh, the strength of the defense. Is it your feeling that in the spring game, uh, the Texas offense didn't seem, um, and I want to ask you this, it didn't seem like it was getting consistency. It felt like there was, it was kind of sputtering hit or miss, which I thought was a problem at times last year. When they got on a roll, they got on a roll with Bijan, uh, but I didn't really feel like they ever got on that roll where they were kind of unstoppable almost, right? Did you did you get that sense, or was that just yeah, I mean, I, trying I, to look for perfection? I, I've never seen a really clean spring game. So that that was, a, you know, you're rotating a lot. Um, you know, you don't have all your parts uh, often at the, at the same uh, – on the field at the same time. Uh, sometimes you have guys that haven't been playing together as much. Uh, you know, one guy's on first team, another guy's on second team. You know, they did have their first team offense out there together, but they would, you know, play a series and then come out, uh, weren't going right back in. I don't – I don't. I don't take too much from the spring game from that. You know, I, li- I look for individual traits more so than than cohesion. Um, but you know, they are going up against a pretty good defense that's played together uh, a lot. You know, I think. Uh, you know, I think what we heard in the spring, the defense is ahead of the offense is, is accurate. Um, and you know, the defensive team uh, was was the, the first team was out there quite a bit. And you know, what we heard was that they were playing more as a team rather than individuals. You know, at times they played as individuals. That's why they, I think they struggled on third and fourth down. At, uh, some last season. Uh, now, you know, that, that that group has a lot of experience together. So I think there's just a little bit more ahead of the offense, uh, but I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about the offense going into August or September. Yeah. I, I think that again, we go back to that zero sum game where it's really hard. Um, I think I just would have liked more third and threes as opposed to third and tens that I saw. Yeah. Right. And perhaps that's because of the lack of ability to get the run game going. Yeah. Uh, sure. Right. And, and that, that could be something that, that we need to check into and think about uh, in this offseason. Uh, all right, tomorrow I've got uh, I'm in, I'm doing something fun tomorrow. I've got lunch with the coach. We're bringing nice back food. Brian Irwin. He nice. saw the spring game and uh, wanted to talk to him and get his thoughts not only on the quarterback play but across the across the uh, uh, spectrum. Uh, we will talk to him sometime in the afternoon tomorrow. It'll be a lunch with the coach that probably is like two or three o'clock actually. So it'll be a late lunch with the coach. But anyways. Uh, for Eric Nalene of InsideTexas.com, thanks, Eric, for being with us. This has no been problem. the State of the Program. Thank you for watching.
For more videos on Texas football, recruiting, and other sports, make sure you click the like button and subscribe to the channel to get the very latest updates. Uh, thank you for watching again and hook them.